It's about really establishing a cultural identity as a company and first figuring out what is it you stand for? Because if people don't know who you are, they aren't going to come banging down your door. Welcome to the Marketing Innovators Podcast. This is the show for marketing innovators everywhere who want to push the boundaries of marketing and learn about cutting edge strategies and channels that are working today. Join us each week to hear from industry-leading marketers as they share best practices and what is working for them. This episode is brought to you by 2Web. Growing your business online is overwhelming. At 2Web, we make it simple. Our agency has helped over 700 businesses and organizations grow through digital marketing. Learn more and reach out to us at 2Web.ca. Welcome to the show, guys. Today, we have a very exciting guest, Janine Krish, who is a passionate marketing leader who has spent over a decade building some of Canada's most iconic brands from Porter Airlines to Union Pearson Express, which was Canada's first airlink. She has since turned her focus to helping brands scale globally and is head of marketing at Fivebits, one of Canada's boldest innovators in the fintech space. Now, she's achieving a three-year revenue growth of over 700%, and we're going to find out more as how she has done that today. She also believes in the power of storytelling to build trust and drive action. And when she's not at work, Janine spends her time as a board member of Dare Arts, an organization that helps turn underprivileged kids into leaders. She is also an avid runner and mom of three kids, six and under. Wow, Janine, welcome to the show. Thank you. So happy to be here today. That is great. So Janine, why don't we get started here in terms of your background? I mean, can you tell me a little bit more about your current role and where are you right now? Sure. So I'm at a company called Flybits, which is in the fintech space. So it's a scale-up that's been around since probably 2012 or 2013, born out of a research lab. And it essentially is a customer experience platform for the banking industry. And our vision at Flybit is to empower banks to bring meaning and wisdom to the data that surrounds every customer. So essentially using data to serve people versus sell to them and really just redefine the banking landscape. So my role specifically is around driving global marketing at Flybit's. So we do this through strategies aimed at building brand visibility primarily. We also do that by educating the market through thought leadership and ultimately driving business growth for various departments from sales to HR, you know, across the organization. And we cover all facets of marketing from PR to events, content strategy, social media, product marketing, partnership marketing and really everything in between. <laughs> wow. Wow. So tell me a little bit more about your backstory. I mean, how did you end up in this role? It's an interesting story because I never saw myself as a B2B marketer. I started on the B2C side, actually as a graphic designer. I was always, always passionate about visual storytelling. And that's how I view graphic design and design in general. And so I love that idea. So I actually worked for Porter Airlines. And, you know, that's where I truly learned the value of branding and design and sort of all of the various components that are so critical to achieving like an incredible customer experience. 
And it also realized, you know, the notion that a brand is not what you say it is, but it's how everyone perceives you, or as Jeff Bezos likes to say, you know, what everyone says when you're not in the room. So, you know, so I started there. I then moved on to an organization called Metro Links, which is, you know, Ontario's agency to the Ministry of Transportation that was charged with managing over billions of transportation projects. And so I worked for the Air Rail Link, which is Canada's first Air Rail Link in Toronto from Pearson Airport, and it would take people downtown to, to Toronto. So I was part of that brand building team. We did everything from digital marketing to PR, very much, you know, across the spectrum. And then from there, I actually moved into the tech world and worked for a company called Betterment. So it was a ticketing software SaaS company who was owned by the head of IT at Porter Airlines, who I had met years ago. So then I eventually caught wind of Flybits and the rest is history. So I joined Flybits uh, in January 2020, two months before the pandemic hit. And so, you know, joining a global company during the pandemic was quite an invigorating experience because everything as we knew it was history, as I'm sure you know. So, you know, we essentially had to rewrite the marketing playbook in real time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, this, all of this sort of all my past experiences have made me realize that I'm not an operational marketer. I am a builder. And so it's the right climate for me, the right time. And, and I'm at the right place. So this is how I got started. Well, I mean, definitely the business world turned upside down as the pandemic hit last year. And I'm assuming you probably faced a lot of challenges and a lot of uncertainty as well, you know, stepping into that role brand new and trying to make things work. So I'd be interested to know what actually worked from a marketing perspective for Flybits during that period. To be honest, you know, we're still figuring it out, but you know, if you asked me a year ago, I would give you a totally different answer. <laughs> so at the end of the day, it's all about building relationships and trust. And at Flybits, we've experienced, you know, experimented with many tactics and we continuously do so. In the beginning, you know, we did a lot of thought leadership events, at the beginning of the pandemic, a ton of virtual events and produced content pieces that we felt would drive value. We've done things like hackathons and and PR campaigns, video marketing, you know, editorial opportunities. But we had to ask ourselves in a sea of fintechs, like, how do you really stand out? And from my perspective and experience, it's about really establishing a cultural identity as a company and first figuring out what is it you stand for? Because if people don't know who you are, they aren't going to come banging down your door asking how the engine works, so to speak. And so I find with a lot of tech companies, you know, unless you're Salesforce or a Hootsuite or, you know, even a HubSpot, the industry may not really know who you are and they don't quite necessarily care about what you have to sell them until you make yourself important. So it's really about that, you know, alignment, getting in tune with like what is culturally relevant and being able to tell your story in a way that people want to hear and engage with. So that's what what we're sort of doing 
right now. And we've recently launched a campaign, a visibility campaign around the topic of for better data, fly this for better data. We live in this sort of golden age of data, you know, or depending on who you ask. So there's this other age, you know, there's other aspect to living in this era that's exposed a darker side that's created eco chambers and social media addictions and data scandals. And the list goes on. You know, every week you're hearing something in the news, various, various privacy updates from Apple to Google last week. So, you know, the question is, what have we unleashed with all of this? How can we use data for better? And how can we turn data into experiences that actually help people for better and add utility and value to their lives? And so this, you know, taking in mind what's sort of culturally relevant right now and what our product actually does, like that is how we turn that into a storytelling brand campaign that actually connects with people. Hmm. So, you know, a lot of businesses had to pivot during the COVID phase when especially, you know, things were basically put to a halt for many businesses. And I know that some businesses really thrived because of pivoting. And do you feel that Flybits, there, there need to be a bit of a change in the business model or the approach or even in the target audience? Or was it business as usual? Definitely had to be a pivot, 100%, because we had to stop selling to people. And I think that was something that was seen across many industries. Like it's like being toned up, trying to sell to someone during this pandemic. And so, you know, our CEO and our company was one that didn't quite believe in the concept of selling anyway. You know, we've, all, we've sometimes said traditional sales is dead because people don't want to be sold to at the end of the day when they want to buy something from you, they'll come to your company and, and they should be able to find everything they need, you know, on their website, for example. So we did have to change our, our messaging and our advertising and our marketing tactics and approach to really just help people, help people navigate, help banks navigate, like help them accelerate their digital transformation because that's where customers, that's what they were demanding. So that was sort of on the business, you know, customer front. But when the other aspect where we had to pivot is, you know, even on the hiring front, I recently read a New York Times article called The Great COVID Job Churn. So this is a very challenging area faced by so many technology companies, even in and outside of the industry, because it's a time where, first of all, tech is booming. And then second of all, it's a time where people are reflecting and, you know, rethinking their options. So we've even, you know, launched campaigns around hiring, you know, engineering talent and, and you know, getting the right cultural fit in our organization because we realize how important that is. But, you know, going back to sort of the, the greater marketing challenges on this, you know, overall one of them is, is, you know, how do you scale globally? And this is sort of our, our larger challenge. How do you scale globally and gain incredible visibility when you're not working with a $25 million marketing budget? So from my perspective, great content is much more sustainable in the long run because it continues to build your brand 
in the marketplace and educate your prospects as well as driving organic traffic. Whereas pay channels tend to be a gas tank that you got to keep refueling all the time. You know, once the money stops, the results stop. So I find, you know, while we are engaging in paid for to a certain extent, it's short-sighted. Like it just has to be one component of a larger marketing strategy that's more long-term. Wonderful. I mean, I love that analogy. And I think that, you know, you've hit the nail on the head that great content, you know, can have a significant impact. And when it comes to digital marketing, great content can work because you're in a marathon, right? I mean, you need to make sure that you are actually building something that is sustainable from a content perspective that gets consumed. And if you're focusing on great content, it can actually help you scale in terms of marketing as well. So tell me how you define great content. <laughs> That's a loaded question. I, sometimes I wear the lens of like, if I didn't work here, <laughs> actually, let me rephrase that. Great content is content that doesn't smell like marketing. It's content that if I didn't work at Flybits, but it was in the industry, perhaps, I would stop and really, really resonate with. And it doesn't necessarily, it's not overtly trying to sell to me. So great content obviously engages and it makes people want to align with that brand, right? So not only is the content good, but it's so good that I'm willing to use my own social media channels mm. to promote it. And that actually brings me to my next point, which is you know, distribution of great content. And that would be one of them is, is leveraging your own salespeople. Actually, I won't even use the word salespeople because I think that word is outdated. But using your own teams, whether it's HR to engineering to business development to, you know, act as your own ambassadors because, you know, your content will get 10 times the mileage from doing that than posting it on your own channels or using your own channels. So I think great content at the end of the day, it serves, it doesn't sell. And then, and then the other aspect I wanted to mention was around social media. It is probably the most underutilized assets for listening and actually generating good content. So you know, you want to generate content that your audience cares about and that's relevant to them. And what better way to learn that than go on social, right? And actually conduct social listening and really speak to your, your audience and build that community. So you become a trusted, um, a trusted resource. Mm, that's true. So when it comes to publishing, obviously you have to be consistent in producing this great content to keep the wheel turning. But a lot of organizations, they forget to promote that content that they're, you know, investing so much time in creating. And absolutely, I think organic reach where you're, you know, promoting it on social media and other, you know, influencers are potentially sharing that message can have a significant impact. But as a company, have you also utilized the content and utilized paid promotion to get better reach? Yes. So we absolutely have. We've done anything from native ads to LinkedIn promotions and paid posts. 
less so on SEO, to be honest with you, just because of our industry, we have longer sales cycles. We're much more focused on relationship building versus you know driving quick leads to get to our, like, we just don't sell that kind of software, but we do definitely, like, I think LinkedIn can be a, a fantastic for our audience. It's a fantastic platform where our audience lives. So it makes sense for us when we're going after, you know, a CEO or a chief data officer in North America in the financial services industry. Like, come on, that's such a great way to target those audiences with content. So, you know, I couldn't do that. It would be so difficult to manually do that on my own. So we absolutely still use you know, paid promotions uh, mm. to get to our our audiences. And there's also, you know, partnering with like-minded brands, which I think can be very effective. So, you know, from a paid perspective, you may have to pay for that. You may not. But leveraging other brands that already have a trusted following, an audience that aligns with who you're going after and shared sort of common values. I think that's a great way to expand your reach. So how has the LinkedIn advertising worked for you? Because I know that there's a much higher client acquisition cost through LinkedIn, at least from the companies that I've spoken with. And it seems that you really need to have your strategy defined and go really deep into the targeting side of things when it comes to LinkedIn. So can you tell me a little bit more as to how that's worked for you and, and maybe any strategies that you've used that have helped in getting more conversions? Sure. I mean, I'm not the expert in LinkedIn marketing because we actually have people on the team that that manage that. But I can tell you what's worked really well was really boiled down to the right content that our audience was looking for again. So there's been times where, where we've had to just try because what we thought would work would not work or certain headlines would not work. So we've done a mix of A-B testing, tried different content pieces. When we find one that's starting to work, we'll double down on it. And the ones that are not working, we'll stop those ads completely. So we've done a lot of experimentation with LinkedIn. Is there sort of a, a magical you know, wand that, where I could tell you like, this is a magic trick? No, unfortunately it's not one size fits all. But through experimentation, I think you could lead to the right. You could get there. You could absolutely get there. Absolutely. I think experimentation is key. And, you know, there's no perfect formula for conversions. And even if you hit that, you know, that high conversions uh, rate, you know, it's only a matter of time before it starts deteriorating and you have to change your strategy again, right? So you have to continuously improve and continuously change and continuously test. So. Yeah, exactly. And you want to be careful that you're not like, oversaturating that audience. Yeah. So you don't want to keep going to the same audience with content that they're not engaging with. Or if they are engaging with it, you want to be mindful of like, okay, now that I have them, how am I going to keep them engaged? Um, and the answer may not be through LinkedIn, right? Mm -hmm. So you want to want to do have really a multi-pronged approach where you're tackling them through the various aspects of, of where they live, not just one channel. Right. So obviously, when you're actually publishing this content and doing some online marketing to promote the content, do you find any platforms that allow you to track that data to be more effective? Like, if so, what kind of platforms do you use? Uh, <laughs> again, a better question for our demand gen team. But we do, we typically work with HubSpot. 
Like that's our, our main platform. We also work with LinkedIn Campaign Manager, currently exploring social media platforms like Food Suite because I really want to dial up what we're doing on social because I think there's a lot more we could be doing and a huge opportunity across industries to double down on social media right now. So hope that answers your question. It certainly does. You know, as HubSpot partners, we signed up back in 2016. So we've been working with HubSpot okay. for the past, you know, four or five years, well, six years now. And, uh, you know, we've seen that platform evolve quite a bit and how companies use it. So it's a very powerful platform that uh, continues to, you know, grow. And I think companies that use it, you know, I, I always say that a system is only as good as you use it. So you have Absolutely. to really employ the different, you know, features that it has and learn the system. And uh, HubSpot is a great platform for many companies. It's fantastic. I've actually worked with HubSpot probably since 2018 as well. Nice. Uh, and as you're, you know, it's nice to see as we scale as a company, HubSpot scales with us. And it's not just our marketing teams that use it, but our sales teams, our customer success teams, like we're all connected on it. And so it's really been an amazing platform for us that's helped us sort of have our eye on the metrics and KPIs and ensure we're doing the right, you know, we're running the right tactics and programs and, and whatnot. So mm, big advocate of, of uh, HubSpot. That's awesome. That's awesome. So where do you see are the biggest opportunities for Flybits in the future? This is interesting. So, you know, the future of banking, as I see, will be built, you know, as our, ho- our CEO views it, will be built on data alliances or data Mm. exchanges. So think of a data ecosystem with banks at the center. Instead of depositing money, you're depositing your data. And what you get are different experiences return. So we're actually working with one of our current banking partners on this kind of concept, where during COVID, they launched a small business empowerment program where the bank customers uh, that were walking within a certain radius of retail outlets were prompted to receive their favorite offers, like baked goods, for example, and coffee from their favorite coffee shop. And it ended up revitalizing foot traffic at a time that small businesses really needed the lift. So it resulted in a 200% increase in engagement. Uh, That's one metric I recall. Now, think about that concept and scaling that. It could have these, you know, it could have a tremendous impact on rebooting the economy even. And you could apply it to all sorts of experiences. So, you know, the future of banking is, is and the future of Flybits is really being a key player in taking banks, you know, 20 years ahead of where they are today. But the reality is you don't need 20 years to do that. We can do it right now. So being that, you know, you work with this uh, space, it seems like you have innovation in the heart of this. Like, you know, when you're actually trying to work with banks and trying to transform the ways that they do things traditionally and introducing new ways to the banking industry, that must be a bit of a challenge. And you mentioned this earlier is that there's a bit of a sales cycle involved there when you're trying to work with banks and make them realize about the advantages that you can bring. Yes, it is a challenge. So, you know, on the one term, on the one hand, you know, we're thinking light years ahead of where the industry is now. But on the other, you know, we got to meet the various, you know, business leaders, quarterly KPIs. 
So it's about doing the right dance, right? And, and being able to serve up their needs right now. How can we generate results now, which we absolutely can do through our customer engagement platform that's essentially personalized recommendations and insights and whatnot. But, you know, servicing their customers now, but also saying, look, Flybits is a company that will take you into the future. We're not just a company that's going to be here one, two, five years. We're going to be here like 10, 20 years down the road. We will help you uh, accelerate your digital transformation initiatives and redefine customer engagement in this in this landscape. And it's really one of the reasons I love working at Flybits because we are a company that is literally on the cutting edge of digital innovation. <laughs> I don't want to sound like I'm the marketer now, but I'm truly serious when I say that's why I'm at this company. That's why I haven't left because the team is so great. The technology is so incredible. You know, our CEO, he built Flybits in a research lab in university. He, he was a founder of the DMZ and they, that's where Flybits was born. And, you know, to this day, he's still a professor at MIT and Ryerson. And so this continuous culture of learning and growth is really embedded in this company. And so it's really, like when, it, when I say we're a company that will help banks take them into the future, it's because that's who we are as a company. Like we, we live that. So, yeah. Wow. That makes me come and want to work there. <laughs> that's, <laughs> Great. That's, and I'm doing my job. <laughs> that's, that's really amazing. I think, you know, that really goes to show. And, and, you know, you're right. I mean, I think a lot of the workforce today also looks at, you know, companies that can actually help them get into this new environment of innovation and really, you know, always improvement in the Kaizen methodology of, of always improving. I think that's really important for any company's success. And you know, I go back to, you know, one of the principles of success of any business, and that is the Peter Drucker's model is that, you know, all business is, is just innovation and marketing. And, uh, you know, if, if you do that better than your competitors, then you succeed as a business. You continue to innovate, you continue to, you know, you basically have to be good in, in innovation and also you have to be good in spreading the word. And if you match the two together and, and you do it better than your competitors, then basically you have a successful business model. I think, you know, definitely Fivebits is, is following that model quite actively here. So it'll be interesting to see what the success lies in the near future, you know, for Fivebits as, uh, I mean, the past three years, 700% revenue growth, right? For Fivebits? Yes. And I have to correct you from the beginning. It wasn't attributed to me. Okay. <laughs> well, okay. So we, I've only been at the company for a year and four months. So, you know, we have an incredible team of, you know, an incredible growth team, fabulous co-founder, CEO, customer success, HR. It's really the engineering and product. It's the collective efforts of all of them mm. that mm. enabled our company to really get to the market quickly and address a demand that you know people didn't even know existed before. And it's really that need for personalization, but it's been happening so fast, right? With the Netflixes of the world and the Amazons and, and the banking industry just needs to play catch up. So that's what Flybits is helping them do. Wow. And so the growth of 728% is, is not surprising when you think about how big banks are, how much data they're sitting on, and how much more they could be doing, right? Definitely, yeah. So Janine, if you were to go back, let's say 10 years, and uh, you were to give yourself advice, your younger self, what would that be? 
I would say, I always love this quote, failure is the price you pay for opportunity. So don't be too hard on yourself because out of failure comes hope. And I think that's something that a lot of people can probably relate to right now. <laughs> it's a hard time, hard time for everybody, but it is, it is an opportunity to grow as an individual, wow. as a company, as a parent, as who, you know, whatever your role in life. So true. So true. So based on your experience and the challenges you've overcome, you know, if there was one big takeaway that you could, you could give to our listeners, what would that be? That's a great question. And I would say, you know, just taking a step back, even from my role as a marketer, just in general, time is your most valuable commodity. <laughs> and so don't, I heard this great quote once, you know, don't spend it climbing up the ladder of the wrong tree. Once you figure out things aren't working, check your ego at the door <laughs> and get ready to try something new. It's way more fun, I promise. <laughs> that is awesome. That is awesome. Janine, you, it's been such a pleasure talking today and learning about your background and your role at 5Bits. If uh, people were, were to connect you online, where can they find you and where they can learn more about yourself at 5Bits? Uh, thanks. It's been such a pleasure being on your show. Uh, you can reach me directly at janine.krish at flybits.com or hit me up on LinkedIn. That is awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time today, Janine. And I wish you best of uh, luck uh, in the near future here and uh, wishing you success at 5Bits as well. All right? Thank you. Take care. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Marketing Innovators Podcast. If something we said today resonated with you, please subscribe, rate, and download our podcast. And remember to share this episode with your network. As we mentioned, this episode is brought to you by 2Web. We help your business thrive online. Learn more by visiting our website at 2Web.ca.